Our scripture reading is actually not what is in the bulletin. Our scripture reading today is from John 18, verses 28 to 40. I was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania last week and uh, got an email from Mona, our secretary. Her mother up in Canada is not well at all, and she has had to get back up there. Please keep their family Mona and her mother in your prayers uh, that she told me she wanted to get both bulletins made uh, before she left the next day and I gave her two weeks of information and I gave her the wrong information. It is my fault entirely. But the good thing is at least today the, the last hymn that I had picked out on faulty information fits this sermon too. So we don't have to change what is really important. Today, our text is John 18, verses 28 to 40. Would you please stand as we honor the reading of Scripture? Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken to us. We thank you that in these last days you have spoken to us by your Son, who is the express image of your person and the radiance of your glory. And so we pray that by the power of your Spirit, that if we look to your Word, that we would see your Son, our Savior, high and lifted up, and seeing him, that we would hear his voice, And hearing his voice that we would follow him. And following him that we would offer ourselves to thee promptly and sincerely. 
in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. And the correct title of this message is, Do You See the Irony? Uh, Part 1. Not only did I get a week ahead of myself, but when I worked through the passage, I concluded that it needed to be divided into two. So do you see the irony, part one? There is irony all over the Gospel of John. Words that have double meanings or people saying profound things and have no idea what they are saying. We can think about Jesus telling Nicodemus he must be born again. And Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel, the teacher, does not understand. Or Caiaphas, the corrupt priest, saying that it was expedient that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. This wicked man prophesied the atoning death of Jesus Christ, though that is not at all what he meant. So one could almost give the title, Do You See the Irony to Nearly Any Passage in John? But here as Jesus stands before Pontius Pilate, the irony in John rises to a whole new level. And of course the irony is rooted in the fact that the judge of all the earth, the supreme Judge, the final judge, Jesus Christ. You remember in chapter 5 of John, he said the Father had committed all judgment to him because he is the Son of Man. So hear that great judge. You want to be a high-minded theologian? You could say the eschatological judge. Here he stands on trial before a man who lacks any moral authority whatsoever. Now let's look at the irony as the judge of all the earth stands before Pontius Pilate. But more importantly than the irony, Let's look at Jesus. First, irony. You see, ceremonial purity while plotting murder. Ceremonial purity while plotting murder. Look at verse 28. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. You see the Jewish council here. They have just, quote, tried Jesus before the high priest, Annas, and then they carried him to Caiaphas, and now this Jewish council brings him to Pontius Pilate. You see that they are meticulous in observing the ceremonial law. It's the Passover. 
and they don't want to be unclean. If they were unclean, they'd have to set out the Passover a meal. And, and so they will not enter the headquarters of Pontius Pilate because uh, those are the dwellings of Gentiles. They are meticulous in their ceremonial purity. They won't enter the house of a Gentile because of the Passover. Now, look at the irony in verse 29. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him and judge him by your own law. Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This council, these Jews who are so meticulous in their observance of ceremonial purity are in fact at the same time plotting murder. Under Roman law, they did not have, the Jews did not have the power to carry out capital punishment, so they needed the Roman government to do the deed, and so they bring Jesus to Pilate. And Pilate comes out, since they won't go in, he respects their custom, and he goes out and asks, what is this man accused of? And you see in verse 30, they answer, well, Pilate, you know we wouldn't have bothered you with this if it wasn't bad, so just take our word for it and execute him. They are exact in not entering a Gentile home for ceremonial purposes, but they want a man executed on no charges. The great fascinating writer, Joe Bailey, if any of you are familiar with Joe Bailey, who wrote in the middle and latter part of the 20th century, a columnist, and wrote some books, he interviewed two Nazis who had been in the SS who were, uh, had worked in a concentration camp and had uh, overseen the extermination of hundreds, if not thousands, of Jews. And this was after the war was over. Joe Bailey was interviewing these two men, and he asked them bluntly, how do you live with yourselves? How do you live with the guilt and shame you must feel knowing you presided over the extermination of innocent human beings? And these two men said to Joe Bailey, we don't have any guilt. We're good people. We were ordered to do that. We were just following orders, but you don't understand, we are good people. And Joe Bailey asked them, how on earth can you believe you are good people when you watched over the execution, the, the mass killing of so many people. 
these two men proceeded to tell him a story that before the war in their earlier days in the military, in the army, they were enlisted men and had distinguished themselves and were both offered commissions. And they found out that if they took the commission and became officers, that it would be required that they attend social functions that included dancing. And they both were raised, this is a true story, these men were raised to believe that dancing was evil and immoral, and so they turned down the commission so they wouldn't have to dance. And they said, this proves we are good men. Men who had presided over the murder of hundreds or thousands. That's what these Jews are doing. They, they won't enter the house because a Gentile lives there and that will make them unclean. But they're trying to have a man murdered on no charges. And of course there's an application to us in that as religious people we can be good at straining at gnats while we're swallowing camels. But that is not the central point of John's message here. The issue is what's found in verse 32. Look at it. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. This happened to fulfill the words of Jesus Christ. The Romans executed by crucifixion. The Jews, when they uh, did uh, carry out an execution, then under their law it was to be by stoning. But Jesus had said that the Son of Man would be lifted up and he said that, John says, in order to signify what manner of death he would die and so in his being delivered to the Romans for execution, Jesus' word would be fulfilled. They'd hang him on a tree. And we know the profound significance of that. The law of Moses says... Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. They didn't have crucifixion in Moses' day, but here is the ultimate curse being hanged from a tree. Crucifixion. Jesus is becoming cursed for his people. So you see, ceremonial purity while plotting murder. Second irony is the actual blasphemy. The actual blasphemy. Look at verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Now you remember the Jews had accused Jesus of blasphemy, of making himself to be equal with God. But they know Pilate, Pontius Pilate, the Roman, he doesn't care anything about their religion. 
They need to charge Jesus with something Pilate cares about. Since Pilate has already said he's not going to execute a man if they don't bring some charges against him. And so, to make it resonate with Pilate, they turn it from a theological charge to a political charge. They say Jesus says he's the king. And they think that will be a threat to Pontius Pilate. But look at verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Now, Jesus is not saying that his kingdom has nothing to do with the world. It is, his kingdom is, is now in the world. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One day his kingdom will be consummated in and on earth. Until that day his kingdom is here in our hearts. But the point is that his kingdom is not a kingdom of worldly power, of political power. In His kingdom is in this world, but it's not from this world. His kingdom is the breaking in of a power and rule from another world, a better world, a higher world. But but think about the Jews. Here are these Jews accusing Jesus of making himself to be an illegitimate king In their own court, they've accused him of blasphemy, making himself God. And and what are they doing? They're prostrating themselves before Pontius Pilate. They're trying to get him to do what they want. Look down in chapter 19 and verse 15. We'll get to it next week. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. They accused Jesus of calling himself king, which to them is blasphemy, yet they confess Caesar as their only king. What's greater blasphemy? See the irony? You see ceremonial purity while plotting murder. You see the actual blasphemy. Thirdly, in this passage, you see asking the truth what is truth. Look at verse 37. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Now here Jesus says he came to bear witness to the truth. We know in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. Jesus is the truth, the one who makes the truth known, the one who reveals the invisible Father to us. And Pilate says to him who is himself the truth, what is 
truth. John here is highlighting the sheer blindness of the world. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Earlier in John chapter 3. And here the king of the kingdom, the king stands. And here the truth stands before Pilate. And Pilate and the Jews cannot see who it is that stands before him. And so they ask the truth himself. What is truth? And John is asking us here, do you see who this Jesus is? They could. Can you? So you see these ironies in the trial of Jesus before Pilate. You see ceremonial purity while plotting murder. You see the actual blasphemy. You see asking the truth, what is truth? And fourthly and finally in this passage, you see the gospel on display among the enemies of the gospel. The gospel on display among the enemies of the gospel. Look at the second half of verse 38. After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. You know the story, Pilate did not want to execute Jesus. And so he thought he could get out of this conundrum by offering to let one prisoner go according to their custom. But they asked for Barabbas to be let go. And the last word we read of Barabbas is that he was a robber or an insurrectionist. He was a murderer. Now, John does not draw quite as much attention to Barabbas as the other gospel writers do, but here's the point. They want Jesus to die. You see that in verse uh, 38, the last word, Pilate finds no guilt in Jesus. There is an innocent man. They want the innocent man to die, and they ask for the wicked man to To go free. Think about the law of Moses and the Proverbs, which say it is an abomination to justify the wicked and condemn the righteous. That's what this crowd wants, and this is what they finally get Pontius Pilate grudgingly to do. Justify the wicked Barabbas and let him go and condemn the righteous. Jesus, this is sheer abomination of the highest order. And yet, 
in the midst of this abomination among the enemies of God. Here the gospel is on profound and blazing display. I have a friend who's a minister. I have a few friends who are ministers. Not all ministers are my friends. Some of them are. But one who is once preached a sermon with this title. Hello, my name is Barabbas. That's the message. God has justified the wicked. That is we. God has justified the wicked because the righteous man stood condemned for our sin. Or as Paul would say, God hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Or as Peter would say, Christ suffered the just for the unjust that he might reconcile us to God. Do you know that you are Barabbas? You and I, the wicked, are justified. And go free because the righteous man suffered in our stead. But Barabbas is not the main character of John, and neither are we. The main character of this story is Jesus Christ, the one who will die the cursed death on the tree as our sacrifice. He is our priest who made the great sacrifice of himself in our place. He is the one who came to bear witness to the truth, the one who is the truth itself. He is our great prophet who declares the truth of God, and he is the one whose kingdom is not of this world. He is our true king, our prophet, priest, and king. And this is the message that our great prophet and priest and king has identified with us bearing our sin the just for the unjust that he might accomplish everything we need friends there is a savior for sinners a perfect redeemer who has done everything And the irony is these people cannot see this great prophet, priest, and king who stands before them. If you would have all that he has done for you, you must have him. You must accept, receive, and rest upon and embrace him alone. 
by faith. And faith begins with seeing him for who he is. They looked at him, but they could not see him. I asked you at the beginning, can you see the irony? But now we ask, can you see him? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.